Hi, welcome to the Holes of Remark podcast show. Today I am talking to Ray Rucker, who grew up country. He worked the garden, took care of the animals, helped take care of his little brother. He remembers the first paranormal experience was about the age of four and had many experiences since that time. These encounters were experienced from the mountains of Virginia to many other places, even while serving in the U.S. military. Ray, along with Terry Pritz from form, formed RAPS, Richmond Association of Paranormal Seekers, in about 2006. They later changed the name to RAP, Richmond Investigators of the Paranormal, after bringing KB Ken Balias into the team several years later. Under Ray's guidance, a RAP team has captured many, many different forms of paranormal activity. Also started the Ghost Rats radio show about 15 years ago to help others know they are not alone when it comes to volunteer experiencing the paranormal and to give them a voice to, so they can share their encounters with the world. He brought KB on as a co-host and name was eventually changed to RAP, Paranormal Talk Radio Show. Big Ray has done AM and FM radio, TV, podcasting featuring weekly special guests from all walks of life. Ray and his team have been featured in many newspapers, TV programs, books. Ray believes that there are many forms of paranormal activity which goes on all the time, day and night. He also says some folks are lucky enough to experience paranormal activity and others are unfortunate not not that lucky, which is sad. Someday Ray says that they all two get up close and personal and look at the other side. Too bad they may not be able to tell someone else about the newfound experience. So, hi, Ray. Hello. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Now, can you tell me about your first paranormal experience? Alright. Well, it was kind of a group experience. Uh, what had happened was my mom, um, my father, they had, my grandfather had bought a place in, in the country, and my mom ended up helping buying it, unfortunately, because my father had been killed in a car wreck uh, just before my third birthday. And what I remember from the first incident, even though I didn't know what it was, was um, there was two houses on this property, and um mom's family was pretty big she has two brothers and several uh, sisters I think four sisters so they were all you know too big to, and one aunt was married as well as my mom but uh, so they were living in this uh, little house and the other house was reputed to be haunted and they always say at least here uh, in the mountains of Virginia that if a house is haunted you should either burn it down, but you should never use it to build another house or add it on to another house, because if you do, you'll take those ghosts with you. But they didn't have much of a choice. So Granddaddy and uh, my uh, father, it was just before he died, and uh, my uncle tore down the old house, added it onto the other house near the road. And it was a two-story, it still wasn't that big. But it was a little two-story house beside the road, way out in the country, probably 20 miles from town and about two miles down in the woods. And uh, my father actually had built a real log cabin there, not the one that you see on TV with, 
you know, the big uh, walls and nice floors and all that stuff. It was a real rustic log cabin. But uh, anyway, uh, I was spending the night one night with my grandfather and grandmother because I was the very first grandchild. And so I remember Granddaddy going over to the window and holding his hands up onto the window panes. And I asked him years later, what was he doing? Because I could see the moon through the window. And he says those window panes, the windows, the glass was shaking um, inside the window panes. And he said he couldn't figure that out. That was the first one, but what happened not long afterward is what really uh, I consider the first paranormal experience, which was there was a set of stairs going up to the second floor. But Granddaddy decided to put a uh, set of stairs on the left side of the house facing it, going up to the second floor. So he cut out the door, uh, the whole floor door, cased it in, put the door into it, nailed it in because he hadn't had time to put the stairs up yet. And that's what the paranormal part of it was. I remember being a little boy looking at the screen door. My mom, uh, my grandfather, and aunts and uncles were all standing around looking at the door on the ground in the front yard. So I asked granddaddy years later, as I did my mom also, because I wanted to corroborate the stories. My granddaddy said what had happened was he had used 16 penny nails, which is a big nail, to nail this door into the frame. There was no stairs. There was a ladder on the side of the house. But he said what happened was some, something had pulled that door out of the frame, out of the casing, and somehow carried it down, put it in the front yard, and no one in the house heard this happen. So there was about 9, 10, 11 people sleeping in the house and there was no stairs going up there for them to get a hold of it so that's the thing is nobody can figure out how that how it got ripped out of the door frame to begin with how it happened on the second floor with no stairs going up to it and how no one in the house heard it happen and how it ended up in the front yard so that was not very first recollection of the paranormal activity happening in my life even though none of us saw it happen we all experienced it and it was a group experience and a lot of people in my family on my mama's side and my father's side but predominantly on my mama's side uh, has had a lot of paranormal experiences over the years and that's the first experience Do you go on paranormal investigations? Yes um, been on many uh, like you were saying I started uh, Terry and I started Ghost Raps uh, or Raps Richmond Association of Paranormal Seekers and that came about the reason uh, we started that uh, group was I decided to write a book on the family ghost so I went back home it was on Thanksgiving day I think 2000 2001 went back to visit mom, we're having Thanksgiving dinner and all that, so before, you know, everybody's cooking and doing all that stuff, I said, well, I'm going to run down to the old house and take some pictures, because I'm going to write a book on the, you know, our ghost, and so I drive down there, which is about a half an hour, 45 minute drive out in the country, like I say, from where I'm at, about a half an hour down there, and about another 10 to 15 minutes down to the woods, and I get down there, and, um, 
I got a pretty good society sense, so to speak, and I can tell, like in the military, I can tell when somebody's watching me. I can pretty much tell when somebody's following me, that kind of thing. So I'm down there, and it is hunting season here in America. It was deer season, turkey season, bear season. It was out there in the country, but, you know, nobody should be shooting at me. No one should be hunting in that area. But, uh, so I get this feeling something is watching me, but I can't find it. I can't lock on to them, whoever it is. I figure it's a hunter in the woods watching me for some reason. So, anyway, I drove down there to get a picture for the cover of the book. So I go down there, I got a black and white camera, colored camera, just a regular old 35 millimeter special camera. And I'll take a picture, black and white, take several pictures of the property, set that camera down, take pick up the color camera on the hood, the car, take some more pictures, uh, go up to an old friend of mine's place, he's got a cemetery up on the hill where a woman in white is seen to walk through this little private cemetery up there. And uh, so I get the photos, you know, go back, have Thanksgiving dinner, all that crap, go back home. Uh, so I get the pictures developed at Walmart here in America, nothing special. So I'm looking at the pictures, and up at the cemetery, I see these uh, little balls of light in the cemetery. And I mean, it's, it's probably 30, 40 people buried up there, but it's out in the middle of nowhere, too, up on the cliff of a mountain. And I was like, wow, that's pretty weird. i never seen that. I wonder what that is. So I started looking up, and I found out, oh, that's an orb, um, which some people think is a um, spirit. But anyway, I'm sitting in my recliner looking at the picture of the old house, their old place where we saw the door laying out in the front yard that had been ripped out of the house. And I'm sitting in the recliner looking at this photo, and I'm a little bit not happy because there's this white blur in the front of the house. There's a color picture I wanted to use, which was a really good picture for the, the book. It really looked nice, except for this blur that came up and across uh, from left to right, pointed to the left, comes across to the right, and I'm looking at it, it's like, I cannot believe this. I drove 45 minutes down there to get this picture for this book, and it has this big white blur in the middle of it. I was not happy at all. But then I shifted my uh, picture to the other hand, and that's when I saw it. It was actually, it looked like, you've heard of Casper the Friendly Ghost? Yeah. Well, this here came across from, it was like the tail of the ghost to the left, comes across, big fat body, comes up, and it looks like Casper, like his uncles, I guess, in the story. The unhappy ghost is what it looked like looking right at the camera. And I still have that picture, and it's on website, and uh, on my website. But uh, that that was pretty wild, and that's kind of what got me into forming uh, um, raps with uh, Terry, because we were I like to go to auctions, and uh, especially to get antique uh, type things, you know, old books, and that kind of thing, and. So I'm, I run into this guy named Terry, and we're sitting there shooting a breeze, and somehow we end up talking about the paranormal. I tell him about the door and the picture, and he starts telling me about his uh, encounters on the Civil War battlefield. And, and my wife walks up, and then his wife walks up, and they start talking, and I'm like, they know each other. They actually had worked together years before, so it was really weird how 
his wife and my wife worked together. We had never met, but we both had the paranormal in, uh, in common. So that's how we formed the team. And uh, we've investigated a lot of plantations in Virginia, uh, Civil War battlefields, homes, businesses, that kind of thing. The last... Uh, very last experience that I had was we were doing a, a, a Halloween get together for uh, some of our listeners who came to Richmond, Virginia. We're located just outside Richmond, Virginia. And uh, so we were doing an investigation, quasi investigation of a, so they could get their first feel of what an investigation's like. And uh, so we're uh, investigating this enclosed climate control uh, storage facility where you know people uh, uh, rent a space to store their extra stuff that they can't keep at the house. So myself, about 10, 15 other people are there, and uh, there was two girls, one beside me, one in front of me. She goes down to a young girl, 16 years old. Her name's Miracle. And she's down in front of me, and she says, I hear voices, or a voice, I hear a voice. And I kind of like, okay, whatever, and, you know, to myself, I was like, that's, that's cool, keep, uh, you know, out loud. I'm thinking, okay, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. I don't put a lot of faith in what other people say, but anyway, um, this uh, thing, man, manifest in front of me. Now, I, it's a long, dark hall, but I, there's an exit light down at the end. I can see her clear. Uh, there's a gal beside me, and this guy uh, appears to my left. Well, I think it's KB, my uh, buddy on the team in, in the show. And uh, so anyway, he leans back. And he leans forward, and then he comes right at me. And a lot of times he's shorter than I am. I'm about six one or so. He's about five seven maybe. So I lean over, and the girl beside me, she steps beside me because she sees it coming at me, at us. And so uh, I kind of lean over for him to say, ask me whatever he wanted to ask, or tell me what he wanted to tell me. But he goes right by me, and he goes up to her. And I, I look at him, I look at the guy, it's dark, I can tell it's a guy, it's a short guy, I can see his hair was kind of blondish, short, uh, I could see him so close that I could see the, uh, like when your hair, when it's windy outside, how you can see through someone's hair, I could see that, and uh, I heard him go, like mumble. And so he walks off. I watch him walk up the hall, which is dark, and he disappears into the darkness. And I turn around and say, what, what did he say to you? She says, I don't know. I couldn't understand him. And I was like, really, what did he say? I thought it was KB getting ready to mess with me, is what I thought. And um, she says, I don't know. I said, well, did he touch? She said, no, just brush my shoulder. I was like, okay. So we're walking down the hall trying to figure out, you know, what he was talking about. And we get down to the end. And to the left, there's a door going to the outside, and it's open. Well, my buddy Terry I was telling you about, he shows up about 30 seconds later, and he says, what's the door going open? I said, I don't know. It's open when we got here. He said, well, KB said he closed it. And I said, well, you can see right there, it ain't closed. And uh, I said, oh, I get it. So I said, y'all are in on this. KB, that's what he was saying to you. Watch this. I'm going to get big rain. 
and said, no, 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 he didn't. I couldn't make it out. And I was like, okay. So I was like, well, we're going to get this straightened out. So we go back through the building. It's dark as crap. I mean, you can't hardly see your hand in front of your face going back the other way. Um, but anyway, I get out there and I find KB. And I was like, KB, come here. What, why are you in there messing with me? And he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, you're in there messing with me. In the hallway, I, I said, I know you were trying to get me. You thought you were going to get me back here by the, the back door and you were going to jump out and try to scare me or something. He said, no, I've been right here. And I was like, okay, um, what are you doing? He says, well, I thought I saw Frida sitting in her van. And so I'm over there, and he was over there near the van. And he said he yelled at Frida, and Frida sticks her head out of the truck behind her. And I was like, Frida's back there. He says, well, I would have swore she was in the van. I saw her get up and move into the back seat. So he was having his own uh, sighting of a ghost when I thought it was him. So I was like, okay, everybody in the building, turn the lights on. I took everybody back down to that spot. Now, what's weird about that spot is the uh, manager of that building, there's a crack in the floor. And it's a little built-out door frame. And they took a picture of that area for some reason, and it looks like a guy sitting on a log with a long gun up over his shoulder, like a soldier might sit on a log. And that's the exact spot where I saw that guy. Now I said, okay, everybody line up, and the only person there that would have equaled that height was KB and the girl Miracle. Everybody else was either taller or shorter than them. I said, okay, that can't... It had to be you, but you were outside. And then I put it all together. I was like, well, I thought he leaned back and then leaned forward because he disappeared into the darkness when he leaned back. He was standing. If I'm looking at you, then I'm looking at your profile is how he was doing. He was, his right shoulder was to me. So I'm seeing him from the profile. So what I saw, we saw, was what we thought we saw was a guy that had leaned back into the darkness of that little door frame, which is only two or three inches, which couldn't have happened. What had actually happened was it was a ghost, spirit, whatever you might want to call it, that was standing in that doorway, uh, which enters one of the locker and the storage bins, and had actually backed up through the door, came back through the door, turned and then came at us and that was the last experience that was um, about October the 28th of 2018 that Friday so and and that guy was just as solid as you are I am two of us saw it I mean it went right past my shoulder I'm looking right at it I couldn't make out its face like I say I could see the body I could see the head I could see like the hair Uh, couldn't make out the details because it was dark but what was weird was just before that, I could see Miracle just as plain as day. But when this happened, it got really super dark in there. So that's my first and my last one on an investigation. And there's been hundreds of others, but hopefully I explained that well enough. That's okay. Do, do you find that when you come across your paranormal sightings, that occasionally there's a clash of like cryptids and UFO sightings as well. Well, and I have brought that up in the past, and yes, uh, there has been uh, known to, in events 
not all the time, but there have been several events where we have had paranormal activity, where we've investigated paranormal activity, where we've witnessed paranormal activity, that there has also been UFOs seen. Yes. No aliens that we know of, but UFOs have been seen in those areas, yes. Because I I agree with you. I've done an unscientific study. It's not a proper study. But I've come across lots of things that I've done stories I've done and there's been a, like oh there's a cryptid story there like a Bigfoot or or werewolf or something or Mothman and then you think oh there's a UFO sighting there's a UFO deduction yeah I think I think there is a connection between the, the paranormal yeah and Bigfoot because Bigfoot is meant to be a paranormal like creature and 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 you, I think some UFOs have been classified, not been classified properly. I think, and vice versa. I mean, some paranormal things have been UFOs, and you, some UFOs have been paranormal. Right, I agree. And I think, and I've I brought this question up with some uh, friends of uh, mine, Norm Gagon, and. Um, Wilbur Allen and uh, Will Wilbur. He's. Um, I've asked them about this because they were down. We were doing one of our shows, and I said, "Well, what do you think that maybe um, aliens, the beings themselves, what are the possibility that they're actually presenting themselves as ghosts or spirits?" making themselves look like what we may think people should look like or our loved ones if, you know if it's somebody we know or a friend or family member maybe they're able to make themselves look like them and present themselves in that way to us and uh, they said yeah they never thought of it but uh, it's possible well I have a theory and this is only theory that some of our ability to um connect to um, UFOs and paranormal and cryptids is that early man had to be very perceptive to his environment I still we've got I still think we've got part of that brain in us and some people can tap into it more than others I agree Uh, some of us I think I don't think for some reason at least here in the US city people are more attuned to that than country people are uh, I know more country people that have experienced the paranormal than city people. And uh, I think you're right. I don't know what it is in us, but there's some, like I was telling you about the uh, that feeling that I had when I was down there, at, we call it Eagle Rock Hollow, that something was watching me or someone. I kept thinking something, not someone for some reason while I was there. But I had that feeling I was being watched. And I take that picture, and it looks like a ghost looking right at me. So I think we have that in us. I think it's probably a holdover from olden days, you know, when lions, tigers, and bears used to chase us around and eat us humanoids. And uh, kind of gives us that spidey sense, the little voice, 
kind of thing. But yeah, I think we do have that, and I think some of us are more perceptive than others for some reason. Well, as you know, you, I'm probably talking to the converted here. The Indian nation had a lot of um, spiritual belief before spiritualism became popular and there's lots of tales of um, being visited or um, strange be- uh, like pictures of very tall giant like figures yes and that's in different cultures here I'm of the Cherokee Nation and uh, our, one of the stories that was told to me is uh, what's called the wild man and I remember that when I was a little boy they say you make sure you stay close to the house or the wild man would get you and we're like what's a wild man well it's a wild man that lives in the wood he'll take you away and eat you and I think that is Bigfoot you know thinking about it now uh, knowing what I know I think people you know the Cherokee Nation had witnessed uh, Bigfoot and I've had I want to say weird encounters in the woods. I didn't know what they were. I've heard tree knocking. I didn't even know, but just up until the past several years when some of the uh, you know, Bigfoot shows are on TV, that kind of thing with the knocking. Because I remember growing up, I would be hunting in the woods by myself, and I would hear somebody hitting on a tree. So me being me, I'd get me a tree limb, and I'd go over and hit a tree, dude, whack, whack, whack. And we'd sit there and whack, 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 back and forth at each other. I just figured it was somebody else up in the woods. But it was probably Bigfoot. I've heard the whistling that I've heard on some of these shows. And that's the exact same whistling that I heard back up in the mountains here in Virginia. And I, of course, would whistle back. They'd whistle and I'd whistle. Do you like think that. Bigfoot is an ape? Or do you think it is a humanoid that we haven't quite understood yet I don't think it's an ape uh, I don't know how intelligent it is uh, I think it's a uh, bipedal being I think it's a bipedal being I guess it can walk on all fours if it wants to but uh, I think it's I think, you know, people say, well, why don't, why ain't we found a body yet? Why ain't there any bones and such? And I've been hunting since I was a boy, 12, 13 years old. And I spent 20 plus years in the military. And I can tell you in the woods, I found one whole deer that some jackass killed and then left and didn't go back and get it. Call it I, I know they killed it illegally because of where I found it. And they probably got too scared to go back and get it. But other than that, the only skeleton bones I've ever found is two skulls of probably possum, opossum, opossum. And that's the only two out of 40 plus years of being in the woods, either hunting for food or fishing or in the military. I've only found those two little skulls in 40 plus years. So, well, that's that's a, they, well people, people misunderstand the vastness of these places. They think, oh, it's just easy, but they, they you're going miles and miles and miles of woods. You could probably get lost and never be found. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get turned around in the woods. People here in America do. They get up in the woods and get turned around and 
that. But, uh, you know, even on, like, cities and stuff, there's bear that comes down. I have never bear come down uh, within 200 feet of my mama's house to this day. And I have never found a bear skeleton or a head. I've never found a deer skeleton or a head or a set of horns or squirrel or rabbit or anything. So everything in nature gets taken care of pretty quickly. And if they're intelligent as I think they are, they probably bury their dead like we do in some fashion. So I think they're bipedal. I think they're intelligent. Um, as far as whether they're aliens and they can manifest from other dimensions, I don't know. Uh, I just know that I've heard the knocking, I've heard the whistling, I've seen things in the woods that didn't make sense, so I believe they exist. I don't know if they are ghosts, I don't know if they're aliens, that, that on my part would be speculation. Have you had any, uh, I know of anybody like myself, who've had a near-death experience? Yeah, actually, I've had several myself, but fortunately made it back. But uh, uh, you want me to tell you a story of? Yeah, you tell me what. Worked? Tell me the. Tell me one of them. Could. Okay, I was uh, in the military, and one of my jobs was medical, and I was working in an emergency room uh, on a Marine Corps base out in the middle of nowhere. And so, since we were out in the middle of nowhere, we took care of the civilian population, and then whoever else, you know, the, the Marines and Navy personnel, whoever was there. And so they brought this uh, little old lady in who had uh, apparently had a heart attack. She had died. They're doing CPR. They bring her in, put her in the, on the table. We're doing CPR. And uh, we had a life pack six back then. So grease the paddle, cold clear, snapped her. And uh, she, of course, you know, jumps. And, uh, start CPR again, ventilating, doing all that stuff, putting meds in her, clear, zap her again, uh, back to the CPR, we do that, finally zap her the third time, she comes to, and after she's uh, there for a while, she gets her act together, and so we're talking to her and that kind of thing, and she starts calling us by name, and uh, now we do have our name tags on, but she's calling us by our first names, which in the military you don't do. You go by your last name. She's calling me by my first name. And uh, another guy over there, uh, Mike, by his first name. And another guy, Wayne, by his first name. Well, and finally it hits me. I'm like, how do you know our names? And she says, well, when you guys were working on me, I was up there floating in the corner of the room. She points to the left corner of the room at it from her feet from the bed looking down toward her feet. And she said, well, I was just floating up there watching you guys, and uh, you gave me epinephrine, you gave me sodium bicarb, and you shot me three times, and um, you didn't think you were going to get me back. And so how could she have known our names? Never seen her before, never saw her after. Um, how could she know our names? How could she know the name of those medications? You know, being an elderly woman back then, most people don't have access to those names. But nowadays, you would hear of epinephrine and lidocaine and sodium bicarb. Back then, you didn't hear about that. People up warm from in the mountains, they don't know what they are. So 
she had to have been able to see us, otherwise she wouldn't have never known our first names. And uh, so that was the first real NDE of a person that I had worked on. Now, I know you said you was in the military. Now, what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you in the military without giving away names? Okay. You want to say paranormal? Yes, we go paranormal. Okay. okay. Like the same hospital, there are several things that happen there. And anybody that knows this, it's a little outpost base. Uh, Captain uh, Charlie is what we call it. And there are several incidences that took place, but I'll tell you this one here because um, it involved another person in a weird circumstance. Uh, the hospital, if you look at it from the front, it's a two-story in the middle with two long wings on the end. And the floors throughout are, the building in the middle is brick with the two long wings. They're, they're wood and the hallways are just wavy down through there. This thing's probably built back in the 20s or 30s. So anyway, uh, you look at the hospital, I was working in the ER and uh, like I was telling you, so it was late at night, probably 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I decided I'm going to go down and get me a soda and something to snack on. So I come out of the ER, and if you look at the hospital, I would have taken and gone to the my left, to, but to the right of the hospital. Down through the hallway, there's lab, x-ray, and then you get to this one long hall that's probably, oh, two, 250 feet long. And it's got a uh, exit sign, which is not an exit, it's dead ends, and you take a left. You go about another 50 feet, 60 feet, and it opens up to a room that's probably 50 feet by 50 feet. And to the right, over to the right, is a candy in the soda machine. And there's two doors over there, three doors technically, maintenance, one little walk passenger door, then supply, and then there's a set of double steel doors in that corner as well. Uh, so you got the soda machine, candy machine, door to maintenance, door to supply, and the laundry where they stored the sheets and the pillowcases and towels and all that behind the double steel doors. So I'm getting ready to get some my candy or whatever, and I hear somebody walking around in maintenance. Well, there's nobody back there. This is at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm the only one in that part of the building and the only one within a hundred yards up there. And I, I hear somebody walking around the maintenance department. I'm like, oh crap, somebody broke in back here. So I'm listening and listening and I, was, I tried the door real easily to see if it was locked. And it, was, it was locked because I was like, well, I need to go in and stop this, but door's locked, can't get in. And they're walking around and then all of a sudden the lights come on in there. And I'm like, oh crap, how could that happen? Because the lights, in order to turn the lights on, you would have had to walk past me, open the two steel doors, and throw the breakers, because that's how you turn the lights on in there. You had to go into the linen, the big linen room there, and turn on the breakers to get the lights to come on. And that's when it was like, oh crap, something just walked past me, turned the lights on, and went back into maintenance and was walking around again. So I start backing down the hall because I ain't turning my back to it. At least if I if it's there, I want to see it. 
And then I get down to the long hall and I take my right and I start heading back toward the hospital and I can see that little white light down there to the main hospital, the lights, everything else is dark. And I'm walking down the hall and then I can hear my, you know, I got the leather military shoes on. I hear my feet going plump, 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 plump. And then back behind me, I start hearing plump, 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 plump. And I look back, something is following me. Something is making sounds as if there's shoes and somebody's feet behind me, about 20 feet behind me, but there's nobody there. And about, when I get about 50 feet from the door of the main hospital there at the light, that's when I haul freight. I mean, I kick it in. I'm in excellent physical condition being in the military. And whatever it is in that hallway, I was gone. And um, so there was something down in that, we call it D-Dunk machines, candy machines in the military. Something was haunting that area down there in supply. Well, but that's not the end of the story. One night, uh, months later, we didn't really have doctors in there. Us foremen, we took care of everything. I had my own prescription pad. I did everything a doctor could do. You know, suturing and, you know, setting bones and doing everything. So I'm sitting there sewing this little kid's head up in a different room than the little old lady was in. But I'm at the, it's in the U, and I'm at the U, and I got the mother on one side, father on the other, and I'm looking toward the, you know, the main part of the ER. And uh, this doctor comes in, and uh, his name's Wes. And he looks at me, and he says, you got me, man, you got me. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? He says, down there in the hallway going to the Gidunk machine. I don't know how you got me, but you got me. I was like, dude, I've been sewing this little kid's face up for like a half an hour. I haven't been anywhere. And he says, well, I know it was you. It had to be you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I went down there to get some uh, something to drink, some, some Gidunk, and I'm coming down the hall, and something started following behind me. And I was like, really? And tell me more, because that's the same thing that I had happened to me. And um, he was really freaking out. And then I looked down at his feet, and I was like, excuse me, doctor, where are your shoes? And he says, they're down there in that hall, and they can stay there. I'm not going to get them. And uh, so at least it happened to somebody else that got followed down that hall. But uh, that's the only guy, pal. His name's Wes, and... Uh, I'll tell you that. That was in a Marine Corps base. And, uh, but that's why I told that story because two similar incidents happened in the same place in that hospital, which was very scary because you're down there in the middle of nowhere by yourself with some kind of entity following you around. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know you also do your own radio show and you've done podcasting and you've done a bit of TV work. Which do you prefer? radio is uh or podcasting i, I kind of like podcasting better than anything uh tv is okay you got your uh it's tv and radio is kind of time you got like uh the tv that we do we don't have to do commercials radio you got to kind of do commercials you got a timeline uh you've only got so long that you can have people on you got to really be thinking about time a lot 
and um, so for being able to get the most amount of content in and the interaction I think actually podcasting I like that better I do I think it gives you a bit more freedom I find it I, I mean I, I mean I'm a baby basically technically but a guy I do mine from a fire tablet Amazon fire tablet on a smartphone normally as as technical as yeah. I get I know some people say oh the quality's not great man you've got to do this you've got to do that tough <laughs> I can't be bothered yeah, well, you know with radio you never really know how audience is with TV you really don't know how large your audience is with podcasting you do uh, with and I'm pretty much actually I was doing my own show with, with KB but I kind of cut it off uh, just before Christmas I, I was talking to KB about it I wanted to kind of get away from the paranormal because I started the show probably 10 years ago or so and I brought him on and we called it, I called it Ghost Raps, and then we evolved into R.I.P. And I wanted to go a different rap. And so uh, I brought up popular talk radio with the wife. She came up with the name, and I told KB that. And I was like, you know, let's kind of get away from the paranormal. We've kind of done it. Uh, we can still do, like, a paranormal moment on Wednesday nights. You know, we can do the show, popular talk, meaning any kind of... I think it's going on in the world and we can do a paranormal moment well he still wanted to do the Friday night thing and I want to focus my energy so I was like well if you wanted to keep doing the paranormal that's fine you can do that uh, if you want to do the Wednesday night that's fine you can do that but I'm going to do a little bit of podcasting myself but uh, AM radio in the United States is dying I keep telling KB that uh, it's the older generation listen to it because like you said with, with their smartphones we can do anything we can watch anything anywhere from around the world and uh, when I was you know running the show and all that kind of thing you, you know our number one audience was the Ukraine I can believe that yeah I can believe that mine mine is America I don't even live there number two, number two is China yeah. then in America. So uh, you can reach such a plethora of people where radio station, you got so many miles of signal will go out to you. TV, you know, we got Comcast cable, it'll go out so far, and that's it. But with podcasting, you can go the whole world. You can have an impact all over the world, not just in one little area. So that's why, and even though, you know, we were trying uh, Facebook before, which sucks. Uh, with the, all the years we were doing the show and trying to get bring people in on Facebook, I think it worked once or twice out of the hundred times that we tried. So Skype is is better. Uh, and thanks for getting with me on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that podcast is the future. Well, you had a guest of mine. I had a the uh, Kathleen Wurstein the other day guiding Kathy. She's a lovely yeah. lady, and she I, I, she let me read one of her chapters from a book, so that was quite nice of her. Yeah, and so you're you're in the UK, right? Yeah. And so if uh, if I was just doing the show here in America on AM and FM, you would have never heard the show. 
because you would have never heard the show. You would have never heard of her. And uh, so, yeah, man, we're we're doing things that are amazing with a cell phone. Who would have thought our cell phone we could talk to somebody on the other side of the planet? Well, I'm I'm not only talking to someone on the other side of the planet. We're time traveling at the same time. Exactly. You're probably finished or so at night. Yeah, I'm coming up to 11 o'clock ish. Yeah, 11 o'clock or so. And yeah, I'm coming up on to 5.45 p.m. So yeah, we're, you're talking to somebody in the, in the past. And I'm talking to somebody in the future. It's cool, isn't it? People, people, when I say that, they say, don't be daft, it's not time traveling. I say, of course it is. Because you will take me in the past, I am taking me in the future. What, what do you call time traveling? Exactly. Yeah, man, podcasting is the future. And I'm, you know, on the radio, I got radios in the car, and sometimes I'll play a CD. But most of the time, I got the uh, smartphone on, and I'm listening to podcasts usually. Um, 99% of the time, I might turn on a radio station just to see what the news is for a minute. But I don't watch news on TV. Uh, it's all canned. It's brainwashing. They're just trying to, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, we got we got that over here a little bit. Well, I, I do I do lots of things. I do music, cryptozoology, paranormal. Uh, Bigfoot. I do a horror host. I don't know if you've seen uh-huh. me. Look up Ghostman Horror Host yep. Podcast UK. You've you seen me. I think I think. Yeah. I'm very good. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I've seen you before, and I appreciate you having me on. And um, ha, have you written a book? I know you see you wrote a book, written a uh, wrote in, That's bad English, isn't it? Written a book. <laughs> well, I've written the book, and then as soon as I finished it, the, the computer crashed. And uh, I have retrieved it, but uh, unfortunately I wrote it under a program that isn't that popular, so now uh, I'm back redo it again. Fortunately, I got Dragon, so uh, I'll have to go back and redo the whole book again, and uh, I might get it out this year. That must be a pain in the um, posterior, as they would say. Uh, yeah, that and about a three-foot plane just blisters my butt. I was not happy. Because I had just finished it, closed the computer down, opened it up. I was so happy. The wife and I were on vacation with the boys. And uh, we were at a resort, and I uh, finished it. I was like, okay, finish the book. Yay, go team. And the next morning, opened it up, and the computer was dead as crap. I was like, oh, my God, I just lost everything. And unfortunately, I had saved it, and I was able to get it back. But, uh, yeah, computers can be a pain in the butt. I actually prefer my phone. Well, I, I, I'm using more, I, I use more my tablets now than I do my phone, uh, laptop. It's so much more convenient. Yeah. It's much more easier. If I had a big laptop on my leg, on my doing this now, it, it would be too hot. I probably would have to knock around with the mouse a bit too much. Yeah. But th- this way we can do it. We can have, like, we're having a, I always say, if you can talk to your guests that you're having a cup of tea or coffee and some biscuits, yeah. that's the way to do it. 
Yeah, it is. It's nice. Uh, I like it. And yeah, with the radio, you can't do that. With the TV, you can't do that. You know, people look down on you all the parents up there eating and drinking. I don't care. I'm, I'm drinking a bottle of water right now. Now, would you like to give some links out to people who are listening? Where to find you? Uh, you can go to meathuntghost.com uh, and uh, you can check me out there on Facebook. It's Ray Rucker. And uh, that's pretty much it. You can go there. You can uh, get the phone number there. Get the email link there. You can click on me if you want to email me. And uh, check out some of their shows and captures and that kind of thing. But uh, that's pretty much it. Wehuntghost.com. Now, I usually like to do a unique sign-off before I go. But I also going to ask something else before I do that. I'd like you to do a new a neat sign off in a minute. Plus, if you do do your podcast again, I would like to be a guest. Okay. All right. Yeah, that would be good. We can do that. I'd like to have you on too. Let you tell some of your encounters. Uh, yeah, that would be good. I will uh, definitely have you on. So, what would you like to say to people before you go? Like, something unique that you would like to put out there? Well, the only thing I, I really like to say is paranormal experiences. Uh, the ghosts do not know about the witching hour or spirits. I believe a ghost is like an imprint on the fabric of time. A spirit can interact with their environment, if that makes sense. They can move here, go there, possibly talk to you, touch you, uh, present smells and images of them doing things with you, where a ghost will just keep doing the same thing over and over in the same space of time. But uh, I believe paranormal activity happens at all times, and what you think you might see as being a live human may not be a live human or a dog or a cat or a horse or whatever the case may be. So uh, keep your wits about you and question things and uh, don't get locked into that box because paranormal does exist. And that's why I started the show back in the day was uh, because a lot of people think they're crazy and they will think other people are crazy that experience those things. So that was part of my thing was to be able to tell my stories so people know you're not alone in this. Like, hey, we're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, and uh, you're not crazy if you experience it. And this way you have someone that you can tell your story to. And, uh, and you have a relation and a common ground knowing that you're not alone, you're not crazy, and it's okay. And it's normal. Paranormal is not abnormal. It's actually normal. That's my opinion. Right, this is mine. Are you ready, Ray? <coughs> it's a good clean my throat. <coughs> Thank you, Ray, for being on my show. We talked about paranormal, and we had a great chat, you know. I shall listen to your shows in future, you see. I look forward to reading your book sometime, when you can get it off your computer, you see. Thank you, good night, and God bless. Thank you, brother. Back at you.